Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name is Frank and let's get cracking. So a bit of the old traditional style today of of, uh, just me and recent events and obviously you, the listener, as well. (laughs) Takes two to tango. So I just wanted to start off uh, with a a little quick shout out to the cab crew. Uh, It did occur to me that I've mentioned cab a few times and things like that, and there may be people who are thinking, what the hell is he going on about? Has he started driving taxis? Um, I've not started driving taxis, although it's something I've considered various points through my career. Um, Cab is actually a YouTube channel slash podcast, and it actually stands for Calling All Beings. Um, Some of you uh, will probably listen to the show, the Calling All Beings show anyway. Others may not know about it. And the reason I'm explaining about Cab is because I'm actually a part of Cab now. I have been for a little while. Um... Uh, long-term listeners will probably remember DJ, who's been on the show a few times, one of the founders of Cab, and Nathan as as well, um, who's also another one of the founders of Cab, and a um, couple of absolutely salt-of-the-earth guys, really, really cool people, and um, having done a few shows here and there together, um, at some point we decided to kind of, you know, bring me on board with what, what the cabbies do, um, so the uh the whole ethos of calling all beans is uh, an open attitude very friendly approach and um you know a willingness to discuss kind of all different types of of topics and bring all viewpoints to the table whilst remaining friendly and respectful and that kind of thing and um, there's a lot of different groups and kind of you know various different uh, loose affiliations and whatnot within the ufo community and uh, you know, I, I've always felt since doing shows, you know, as a guest, I was on Colin Albion's as a guest at first, and then anytime I've spoken to any of the, the cab uh, crew, they're just a great bunch of people, very, very friendly, you know, intelligent discussion, rational discussion, but also a willingness to be open-minded and consider all different viewpoints, and um, just a really a group of people who have uh, i've seen over time really avoid all of the negativity and nastiness that can sometimes be a part of of ufo twitter and and for me corner beans kind of represents the 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 best aspect really that i've come across of the ufo twitter and wider ufo community um so very very happy to be a part of corner beans now obviously corner beans is a uh, primarily uh, an american sort of platform if you will most of the members are, are in the states so not all of the shows i'm able to join but uh, occasionally i do jump on and you will see me as one of the uh, one of the cab hosts another cool thing about that show is that it's my show as you know if you're listening to this is only about ufos and associated phenomena i don't really delve into any paranormal things and bigfoot and any of these kind of other areas i like to keep it to just ufos and that will remain uh, as we go along but one of the uh, the cool things about cab is that they actually do delve into a few of those other areas and i think you know most of the time when i'm jumping on board one of the episodes it tends to be about the ufo side of things that is my main area of interest um but it is interesting to 
dip into a few other areas. Like, for example, we did an interview with Dr. Jeffrey Kripal recently, uh, which I was a part of and got to ask a few uh, questions on there. Uh, and, and Dr. Kripal, you know, his area of, of work and expertise does kind of touch on the UFOs, but it's much more about the nature of reality and consciousness and that kind of thing, um, which uh, it was very interesting to, to get into. And... Um, yeah, look forward to many more of that kind of thing as we go along. Real pleasure to be involved with the Cohen Albeans crew. Just wanted to throw that in there. Now, getting onto some recent events that have been happening then, um, to get down to the nitty-gritty, if you will. Um, some intelligence officials gathering at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base recently. So, leaders from across the US intelligence community arrived in Ohio for an unprecedented national security briefing at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, this was actually a little while ago, um, but it was actually quite went under the radar, especially in terms of uh, the the mainstream uh, media outlets and whatnot. So, among those in attendance at this Friday, the twenty-first of April briefing, were the Director of National Intelligence (DNI) and that's Avril Haines, CIA CIA Director William Burns and General Paul Nakasone, Director of the National Security Agency, NSA. Also, the Central Security Service Chief, several members of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, and various others. And it was described as a historic uh, briefing, and unlike anything that the, any of the members had previously attended. Uh, in fact, I don't recall the committee ever doing anything like this, was a quote from Jim Himes, who had actually given that quote to the Dayton Daily News outlet. And uh, apparently the purpose of this uh, event was to ensure that intelligence officials are kept in the know about activities that are occurring at Wright-Patterson which houses the National Space Intelligence Center, NSIC, and also the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, NASIC. And these these were both areas that were addressed during the, the briefing. Various other topics as well uh, were, were discussed, uh, such as the Chinese spy balloon incident, which passed over the US in February, as well as the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. And... These were both some of the things that were discussed in classified documents that were recently leaked online by the 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guard Airman First Class Jack Texera, who was actually arrested on April the 13th. So quite an interesting one. I personally think that this particular meeting, whilst it is kind of unprecedented, is probably more to do with the leaks and Chinese balloon shootdowns than it is to do with UAP. Now, I'm not trying to be a party pooper. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to sort of like throw cold water on the flames of excitement or anything. But, um, you know, the, the fact is, it was at Wright Pat, as, as it's called, Wright Patterson, which is um, a base with kind of long standing connections to UFO stories and, and, you know, various cases throughout the decades and whatnot. And, that fact alone might make you think otherwise, but obviously, you know, this isn't actually a UFO base specifically. There are a lot of other things that are handled there too. And I personally think that this is probably more likely to do with non-UFO things, but what else could be discussed there during this kind of meeting 
is quite interesting to consider. As we know, you know, there could be some crossover with the two topics I mentioned earlier and some UFO related points. For example, the balloon shootdowns, you know, as I've said before, um personally think that they were probably not anomalous objects. That's going off the very limited info that we'd actually have, you know. But there is a clear crossover there. You know, if they're discussing shooting down anomalous objects, you know, or unidentified objects, they have to touch on some areas that intersect with UAP and UFO things. And, and you know, that intersection in general causes a lot of confusion and frustration and heated debates on UFO Twitter. And probably out there in the wider world outside of Twitter as well, people discussing this topic. My take is that, you know, if we authorise a government to spend money looking into UFOs, this will have the added benefit of detecting more earthly adversaries um, as well and, and their spy craft and whatnot. And excellent. You know, this is not a bad thing. And the reverse of this is also true as well. You know, if we um if if we look into you know what's what is assumed to be some kind of non-human technologies operating then the increased capabilities of monitoring the skies is also going to detect adversaries you know which are spying on whatever country it is that, that that's uh that we're talking about and that's got to be a good thing and and the the vice versa so i don't think there's really a big problem there and i think the discussion taking place could definitely have an impact on things moving along. I also think that the the leaks could have a bit of an intersection too, uh, you know, and, and a, a crossover with some of the the way that the UFO topic is handled. Like, for example, this just sets a bit of a precedent that somebody can leak information and it will go all over the world as a global news story. And whilst I certainly don't advocate for leaking of material, I think it's better, like, you know, like Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon and various other people have said, it's better to follow the correct and, and the right ways of bringing information out to the public. Leaking is quite irresponsible sometimes. That information, you know, can can often inadvertently reveal details that can be, you know, useful for adversaries and whatnot. But I think if there are other people who perhaps don't share that view who have UFO material and you see the way that the 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 news spread like wildfire after Jack Texera released that information and leaked that information onto the message boards online and whatnot, you might get a few cogs turning in, in, in people's minds, if especially if they're um, frustrated with the slow progress that, that's being made in terms of the government increasing the transparency with the public on this issue. Um, but we'll just have to see how all of that plays out, of course, but it does make me think when you hear about things like that. It's also interesting, I think, to contemplate what conversations could be had whilst sat at lunch, for example, or the, the post-meeting drinks at Wright-Patterson after this briefing. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I mean, th th all of this is assuming the perhaps slightly pessimistic point of view that this meeting is nothing to do with UFOs. Of course, if it was all about UFOs, they probably wouldn't say that. So perhaps the meeting is, you know, an item on the agenda is about UFOs. Perhaps it's not at all. But I think even in the case that it is not at all, you know, it would be interesting to sit around the, you know, when the cocktails are going around afterwards. Ah, so what do you think about this and this? And, you know, it could be quite interesting to think about the people involved at that event, 
you know the conversations that may may happen and and what that could potentially lead to as well you know setting the ball rolling and um down the line you know perhaps that that could lead to could bear fruit you know down the line so that's uh, that's enough on that one. Another thing that was quite interesting that had happened uh, very recently is James Fox on the Joe Rogan podcast. So James Fox, obviously many people I think listening to this will already know who James Fox is, uh, but I'll give a bit of a rundown. So James Fox is a filmmaker who's produced a pretty long list of films about UFOs. Um, what I like about james fox's approach is that whenever i see a james fox documentary or indeed you know hear him talking on on shows and things like that he does he, he has an approach that just sits right with me you know we're not talking about weird and wonderful like x-files music and all the rest of it and really over the top production that you often get and i really like that james fox has kind of you know, he forged his own path in a way and proven that you don't need, you know, weird sci-fi music and, and alien, scary alien faces in your promo material and things like that, and that you can handle this topic with a bit more seriousness um, and still you do numbers because obviously his films are, are very popular and clearly it's working because he's making film after film and that, that for me is, is really good to see James's approach being embraced by the wider public just goes to show you don't need all of that kind of cheesy... The, the presentation of the UFO topic, how it was done in yesteryear, doesn't have to be like that to have a mass appeal. And I think it's just great to see James Fox on the Joe Rogan podcast, such a huge... Uh, probably, I would say, at least last time I checked, the biggest podcast in the world... Um, you know, maybe I don't know if that's still accurate, but it's it's up there. It's one of the biggest, and um, to see James Fox having that platform um, to promote his work, considering I have a lot of respect for the way that he does his work, is is really good to see. Some of my favourites from James Fox have been uh, the Phenomenon movie, of course. If anyone's not seen that, then you got to check that one out. And I Know What I Saw, one of his older films as well, from uh, 2009, which actually features an amazing segment on the Phoenix Lights, uh, interviewing the witnesses, which I found uh, very powerful. And whilst James was actually on the Joe Rogan podcast, he talked about a lot, obviously mostly about 80-90% of it was about UFOs, as you'd expect. And... Um, one of the big ones, obviously, was Moments of Contact, the film itself um, that that was about the Virginia, Brazil case of uh, a UFO uh, actually appearing to crash, be recovered by the military and be covered up by the military, and also um, witness accounts of, of live beings that actually came off this craft. Now, I did talk about this film at the time that it came out, so I'm not going to talk about it too much now, but again, I would heartily recommend giving that one a watch. And one of the things that's discussed is is in the film itself and around the time of release was that there may be footage that exists of one of these beings. And James has been attempting to locate the footage and has even offered some quite 
uh, large financial compensation for for if if the, somebody does come forward with the footage um, to provide that to James. And I mean that would obviously be absolutely mind boggling to to think that footage like that could exist and and that we may see it at some point as the public. But so far nothing has been forthcoming in terms of that video so i'm not exactly pinning all my hopes on that but it'll be fascinating to see if it ever does come out now the other big thing that was mentioned on the the joe rogan appearance was the chuck clark ufo footage now this has been one that i've heard discussed before and never really kind of dug into the details about what it's actually all about so i thought well, perfect opportunity to learn more about it is, is the way that James actually describes it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, but I've also done a little bit of digging into it and tried to find a few more of the details as well since then, which I'll go through now for anybody who's interested. Now, this footage is kind of almost a bit of a holy grail for you know people who are interested, interested in this topic. It's apparently a video that was recorded by uh, two men in the, in the early 90s. And... Uh, apparently this footage is in possession of uh, UFO researcher slash expert, whatever you want to class him as, Chuck Clark. And it's it's been described as the most compelling UFO footage ever recorded. Um, the trouble is with this, obviously, the frustration is, is that I've not seen it. It's not on the internet. So it's difficult to actually accurately describe it as that as that for me because I've never seen the thing. But it is somewhat of a holy grail that's, that's been referred to time and time again. And it's apparently the way it all came out was James Fox said that he was at home one day and Clark actually called him on the phone and said, James, i got something you need to see. When... Fox asked what it was. Clark responded by saying, I can't tell you, but your jaw is going to hit the floor when you see it. So he drives out to Clark's home in Rachel, Nevada, and Chuck actually puts in a VHS tape into a into a VCR. I'm trying to remember what these things actually are. I vaguely remember them from my childhood, but it's old-style cassette videotapes that you pop into a machine and it plays it like a cassette and on the video apparently there's two guys who look like they're you know just out on a road trip through the desert and then all of a sudden and james says he's seen this with his own eyes all of a sudden the car is parked and it's parked out by a black mailbox in the desert and it's dusk the camera is actually on uh, the armrest between the two seats in the car and it's apparently slightly cocked. It's like um, not level. And it's filming the, the main dashboard of the car and the windscreen. And there's two guys that are panicking. You can't see them on the footage apparently, but they're trying to crawl under the seats and, and freaking out. And apparently then one of them says, it's over the top of us, it's over the top of us. And then all, all of a sudden the car lights up on the inside, but the source of light is above it, like... It's, he describes it as you've never seen anything like this. If you could put a pendulum with a light source above a vehicle, like above the car, and it's the light is the light source is kind of rocking back and forth, and the shadows and the lights on the inside of the car are doing this very strange motion. 
and he describes it as you've never seen anything like it i'm looking like my god what is going on and obviously the the two individuals in the in the film are, are very scared and one of the the individuals who is the younger of the two apparently is like saying i'm getting out i'm getting out and the other person's telling him to stay in the car and um you know apparently this object is over the top and they're screaming at each other in the in the video at this point and the other person says no i'm getting out and he, and he gets out and videotapes this disc shape that is apparently so low that you could quote hit it with a rock unquote and uh so james fox is seeing this and he's looking at this object and he's saying that it's very similar to what witnesses have, have tried to describe time and time again with with ufo sightings like if you imagine he describes it as the skin on the craft glows and he describes it as like phosphorus on a beach now i'm not particularly familiar with what phosphorus on a beach looks like but you can sort of imagine like the skin of the object is, is growing uh, sorry glowing and apparently that's what it looked like the skin like the skin was actually alive on the craft and it had like a yellowy orange color to it but apparently you could clearly make out that it was a structured object it was a disc it was not like an orb but it was actually a, a metallic disc but the metal itself actually lit up like it was alive james says he's never seen anything like that it was like wobbling apparently like it was unstable uh, something that i've heard many times in ufo cases is like wobbling like a leaf in the breeze and um, so it kind of sounds quite similar to that and then apparently the, the end of it the camera guy says oh my god something about the batteries and then the whole thing shuts off so sounds pretty exciting um Joe Rogan basically expressed a little bit of skepticism about whether or not that could be an authentic video, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And and James Fox says that, you know, he basically had a, a similar response from, from Logan Paul, who's like a, um, a very famous YouTube personality. He's, he's had a little foray into boxing and boxed Floyd Mayweather, one of the great, well, the greatest of all time boxer. And, um, so a very, very famous individual, uh, whether he's your kind of cup of tea or not, no denying that Logan Paul's a very famous dude. And James Fox actually appeared on his uh, podcast, on James, on um, uh, Logan Paul's podcast, to and talked about this particular video. And Logan Paul was really interested about the video, and he actually went to Chuck Clark's and took $100,000 with him to actually offer him that money for the for the actual video itself um apparently james fox had already already offered him money but it was a smaller sum but chuck clark actually turned him down for a hundred thousand he didn't want to get rid of the video and apparently what what clark didn't actually realize is that logan paul actually had a hidden camera on his clothes and recorded a clip of this video when when chuck clark was showing the video to him now it's a bizarre story isn't it like there's a guy there who's got this incredible footage from the 90s of, of two people being terrified by a ufo doesn't want to release it as a turn down very large sums of money to, for, for this thing to be released and logan paul then you know this really famous youtube celebrity turns up to his house and films it with with a hidden camera it's just, it's just such a strange tale um but apparently 
Uh, I saw on Twitter that a couple of people have been asking James Fox about this video, and James Fox said that he's heard that it's going to be released. Now, whether this ends up being the Logan Paul releases some of the clips that he's taken, whether this ends up being Chuck Clark decides enough's enough and releases the video or part of the video or screenshots from the video or whatever, it you know it sounds interesting and it's one to keep an eye on. It's yet another one of those that I wouldn't pin all my hopes and dreams on because we just don't know how these things are going to play out. But does it sound interesting? Yeah. Would I give it a watch if it ever does come out? 100%. But yeah, at this point, I'd, I'm not relying on that as a single source to solve all my questions, uh, give me all the answers about this topic, but it does sound like a very interesting one. And I've just generally about James Fox's appearance as well, other than the couple of very interesting, you know, um, very compelling video leads that he's kind of working on there. So obviously the Virginia Brazil video which he's been trying to track down and offering vast sums of money to try and secure also the chuck clark one there as well so that's two really interesting videos that he's pursuing what really comes across though in the interview was how passionate james fox actually is and there's a there's a really powerful part of it it's quite a long podcast as joe rogan's always are but there's um a couple of absolutely you know really kind of hard-hitting moments in this interview one of them is um james actually goes through and hats off to him for doing this as well he goes through and gives like a breakdown of like each decade going through the years from like the 40s all the way up to modern day and some of the most you know compelling cases with lots of data loads of witnesses and so on some of the hardest to explain ufo cases in general and he really kind of rattles off the facts. Uh, fair play to him for doing it. I mean, I've not got the memory for that kind of thing. So fair enough to James Fox. Really good. And it's it's such a good... I imagine people are going to end up clipping that segment. It must be about 10 minutes long. Such a fantastic rundown of how everything has progressed and the most some of the most compelling cases over the years. Uh, it occurred to me when I was listening to it, it'd be really good for somebody who's not that familiar with the topic and sort of thinks, ah, it's all just, you know, like, there's nothing really solid to grab onto with this topic. Listen to that little 10-minute clip that James Fox goes through, and I think that's a very good grounding in some of the more compelling and fascinating cases. Obviously, there's plenty of others that he doesn't include, but it's a very good summary. And there's also a point where James actually goes into it becomes quite emotional it's quite it's quite visibly clear how passionate he is about this uh, and it, you know it really is quite a hard hitting moment where he's he's talking about how he's motivated to carry on doing the work that he does um because of the the witnesses because of the people who he's built up those connections with and he's sat there with them and looked them in the eye and seen them telling their stories and you know he feels an obligation to you know do this topic justice you know for those people that he's met over the over the years over the decades i suppose at this point and yeah it was just uh, it was one of the the best ufo related interviews i've seen for a long time very, very good can't recommend that one enough uh, really interesting so there we go and uh, I, I also think as well i've seen a lot of ufo related interviews on joe rogan and sometimes 
you know, you kind of wish that, because Joe Rogan's really interested in the topic, but he's not super knowledgeable about everything. And whenever I've heard people on there, even some really, really big names, you know, Joe Rogan's kind of saying, yeah, but what about this? And you sort of wish that they would go a bit harder with the, the you know, the, the facts and, and some of the, and James really does that in this. So yeah, hats off to James Fox. Um, Very, very good. Now, moving on to a couple of other bits, and this actually goes back to what I was talking about earlier on um, with uh, the Cohen or Beans. There's actually been a little bit of a controversy around a, an upcoming episode of Cohen or Beans uh, with John Ramirez and Anjali. Now, obviously, as I mentioned, I am a part of Cohen or Beans, so um, you know, I, I did just want to sort of address my side of it for what it's worth. Uh, for anyone who's interested and was wondering, because I have had a few questions about this. So, as I mentioned earlier, I am a part of CAB and I've taken part in some really interesting interviews with the cabbie crew. One thing I would say before I go any further is that what I love about CAB, as I mentioned earlier, is that openness, that positivity, that constructive atmosphere around the show and just being a beacon of positivity within the UFO community. Uh, DJ and Nathan, two founders of CAB, are both people who I've got a ton of respect for and all the other various um, CABBY co-hosts as well. Now, obviously, you know, it was announced then that there would be this show with John Ramirez and Anjali, which did cause a bit of controversy. Now, I've spoken to about Anjali uh, at length in the early days of my pod. Basically, very long story short, because, again, you could do a couple of hours on, on just this, but to cut a long story short, Anjali claimed to have uh, an intelligence background and to have had an experience with beings that she met in a cave after being invited to someone's property for the specific purpose of meeting these beings. And she kind of burst onto the scene, if you will, almost at exactly the time that I started my podcast. So I think it must have been, let me see, what are we in? So it must have been kind of like round about April, May 2021, if I'm not mistaken, round that sort of time. So it's been a couple of years now since, uh, since that all happened. And started to gain a bit of traction the whole story uh on twitter and whatnot and uh, a bit of a bizarre press conference was held on the steps of uh washington dc which to be honest i think all would agree the press conference itself was was a bit disorganized amateurish and chaotic and whatnot but what was repeatedly stressed during the the uh the press conference and around the time of it all on, on social media etc was the real desire to bring data and proof of what was being discussed and the you know the, the intelligence background of Anjali was one of the compelling aspects and the fact that she was so um you know making such a big point of bringing actual data and you know to, talking about evidence of, of to back up the claims that she was making so the intelligence background eventually did turn out to be a little bit of a short-lived stint working in intelligence but is an intelligence background nonetheless uh, but very important to to note that it the particular work that Anjali did had had nothing to do with ufos she's never claimed to be read into a ufo program or any direct knowledge of uh, you know any, any direct knowledge of anything uap related uh, you know had come from the actual intelligence work that she did so an expedition was announced to venture into this cave and a sort of uh, you know 
another bizarre turn of events unfolded with some kind of slightly distasteful, I think it's fair to say, popularity contest uh, contest on Twitter uh, via a poll to determine who was going to go and whatnot. And eventually it unfolded that the people whose property the whole event took place on not only disputed the version of events that had been brought forward by Angeli, but had also fallen out with her about the whole thing uh, behind the scenes, were extremely bothered about having all this attention brought to them by Angeli's publicising the whole thing. And worst of all, they never actually consented to allowing anyone on their property at all for the expedition. Now, the expedition then fell apart after this kind of bizarre turn of events. Text messages ended up being leaked. Things got pretty bad, pretty nasty. And the conversation turned from an expedition to reveal non-human intelligence to the world with hard evidence to all kinds of other things became a part of the story, which were just not areas that I was looking to focus on. And I'm not going to comment on all of that. You know, my thing was evidence sounds great. You know, let's do that then. Really, really good. But things weren't really exactly as they were initially presented. I'm not really any, any longer interested in the story and, and just prefer to focus my time and energy elsewhere while wishing all involved the best for the future. You know, I'm, I'm not about tearing people down who I don't agree with. I'd much rather focus on something positive, so I left it at that. Uh, anybody who's interested in it can continue following the story until the blue in the face for all I care, but, you know, it's just not my area of, of interest once those initial kind of aspects of gathering, you know, data and so on had fallen by the wayside okay so uh sorry about that i just had to have a quick breather if you notice there's a gap in continuity if i sound slightly out of breath i just had to run downstairs somebody was banging on my door trying to sell me double glazing <laughs> so let me just uh pick up my train of thought um where i left it off there so you may have noticed a knock 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 on the door in the background faintly um anyway so safe to say going back to what i was talking about the evidence gathering aspect of the whole thing sort of evaporated the insur the assurances of this and that presented early on seemed actually like they were built on some pretty shaky ground and there were just so many you know bad judgment calls just horrifically bad calls of judgment on angelie's part that I could no longer have any faith in what she had to say regarding the whole story. Maybe she did experience something anomalous. I have no idea. But there are lots of people, lots and lots of people with anomalous experiences, and I've not really got a good reason at this point to focus on that particular case. Rather, unfortunately, and I say this respectfully, plenty of good reasons not to focus on the case at this stage in time. Now, John Ramirez different kettle of fish in my opinion and again it's just each to their own don't forget there'll be people listening to this who totally disagree with me on that previous point and that is absolutely fine we have to be able to disagree especially in this topic but john ramirez is a different kettle of fish he has a legit intelligence background an extremely distinguished career working with the cia for decades i know and have been able to verify that that background is legit as far as i've been able to find out and I've spoken with John actually offline um, at some length. There was a period of time where I was speaking to him near enough every day for, for weeks. Uh, and he was very helpful with certain things. And I was trying to verify this and that regarding sensor systems and um, disinformation efforts and the legal aspects of that and all the rest of it, especially coming from intelligence agencies. And I had no reason to, to question anything that I was being told because it all stacked up with what i already knew and with other things that john 
uh, couldn't have known about, but he was saying the right things. Just put it that way. Long-term listeners will remember me talking about all of this a long time ago, and there was an episode I did where John had provided quite a few quotes about the legal side of disinformation and whatnot. If you have a good memory, you know, you might actually remember. I can barely remember last week at this point in my life. I'm not 21 anymore, so the old memory doesn't work as well as it did. But, you know, um, yeah, anyway, you might remember me talking about that some time ago. So John has this legit intelligence background, um, and has spoken about certain things that he learned in his career, direct knowledge of capabilities of sensor systems, things that he had direct knowledge of, including orbs being picked up on infrared sensors mounted to satellites and so forth. Uh, all of that is super interesting, and that is the info that I'm here for. Um, now, there's been a bit of a willingness to speculate from John Ramirez, and I would say, personally absolutely fair play to him for doing so i mean why the hell not eh why can't you speculate what i would say is that early on like when he gave uh, an absolutely incredible presentation on the intelligence community structure on the project unity podcast john has clearly caveated what was direct knowledge and what was speculation in 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 that interview in the early days as time went on, I think it's fair to say that that line became a bit more blurred in terms of you know what was direct knowledge and what was speculation. But I don't necessarily think that was intentional. It's just when you're talking on podcasts, you know, it, it, unless you do talking on podcasts, it's really difficult to really, you know, to 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 feel what it's actually like when you're talking to somebody for an hour. You know, it's very difficult to remember when you've said this is fact, when this is speculation, especially when you're on a lot of podcasts as a guest, can be quite difficult to remember what, what's what. And so I don't necessarily think it is an intentional blurring of that line. I think it just comes with the territory of doing a lot of shows where you're talking for hours and hours and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that he did try and clearly caveat that in the beginning. And... For me, you can sort of read between the lines what is factual and what is speculation. Once, especially when you followed that early um, few interviews, where the where the where the line was a lot clearer. I think there are basically two main criticisms of John Ramirez um, amongst the UFO community, which is one: he was CIA, so he's now the new Rick Doty spreading disinformation. Now, I don't think that that's the case at all, and I think he has clearly stated in the past what was fact and what was speculation. And despite that line getting a bit blurry, I personally don't think it's deliberate. And I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding from a lot of people of that anybody who's worked for an intelligence agency is not to be trusted and things like that. And I just think that misses a lot of the nuance. Uh, you know, these organisations are absolutely vast. Just because somebody works for an intelligence agency doesn't mean you trust every word they say, but it also doesn't mean that you distrust every word they say either. So I think, you know, it's all about nuance. People who work for the intelligence agencies are not natural liars. Everything that they say that comes out of the mouth can't be trusted, but they're also not you know, the all-seeing eye where every single thing they say should be picked on and, and, and tore apart and, um, you know, like just because somebody speculates about something and they have an intelligence background, that doesn't necessarily mean that that thing should be taken seriously and it is new factual information. You know, we've just got to remember to, to approach with nuance. 
And I think the second uh, main main criticism is that he's expressed support for some questionable theories and people and so on. And, you know, I have said that I respect John's background and I think he's got some interesting things to say. Never did I state that I agree with everything he says and everyone he supports, you know? I think uh, John himself has stated many, many things that I personally don't share the same opinion on and... You know, I would respectfully discuss this with him if we were ever sat at a table having a drink. Not a problem at all. Um, and also I think that that's probably the case with a lot of people on Twitter as well. You know, it's Twitter is one of those platforms where, a, you know, a difference of opinion automatically becomes at each other's throats and it doesn't necessarily need to be that, you know. I disagree with people all the time in my professional life with my friends and debates and discussions. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, how boring would it be if you just sat there and went, yeah, 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 totally agree. Like a nodding dog, you know, I disagree with people all the time. And if we're only looking to support the people that we agree with a hundred percent, good luck on finding somebody to support, you know, with UFOs, with politics, with anything in life. Um, yeah. And as I say, I personally differ from John and a lot of other people, quite dramatically on some things but i also find some other things that he says very interesting particularly the sensor system knowledge that he's got from um a long career working on guess what data collection from some of the most highly classified and capable sensor systems in the world like that's what i tune in for plus you know the speculation's interesting i speculate on the podcast all the time well not so much all the time but i do some speculation and that's fine as long as you you know take it with a pinch of salt you know you have to just use a bit of discernment to figure out what's worth holding on to and what's not. And that's just up to our own judgment at the end of the day. We're all adults. Um, you know, we can all we've all got a brain between our ears. You can figure out what you think is credible and what's not. Um, you know, and, and as as John himself said, which is a quote that I've I've uttered many, many times on the podcast at this point in time, um, John Ramirez is the origin of this quote. I don't know if he invented it, but I'm gonna I'm going to say that he did. <laughs> so, and the quote is, "Embrace widely, hold lightly," and I think that's wide, wise words indeed. So, just going back to the actual cab show, um, one of the reasons that people have been talking about uh, Anjali uh, again recently is that John Ramirez actually expressed an interest in the Anjali case, Anjali case. I sometimes pronounce it wrong, forgive my northern uh, twang, uh, but there we go. And John claimed to have had knowledge that she had recently been interviewed by uh, the DOD personally in 2021-2022. Now, I actually don't find this to be particularly surprising, considering that we've got an ex-government employee um, making some pretty wild claims on social media. And I think... You know, that fact alone also doesn't verify anything about the story itself or any of the experiences as they were put forward. But, you know, it has got a lot of people talking. The fact that John Ramirez has come out and said that this happened and that Angelie has been talking about it and whatnot. So, you know, from the point of view of Colin or Beans, why not have them on to talk about it? You know, just having somebody on your show is not necessarily an indication that we agree with everything that they're saying 100% and back up the story. Um, you know, I've had a few guests on where I disagree with some of what they say. And, you know, I think that's that, again, is absolutely fine. And there's nothing wrong with having a, a variety of guests on because you don't want to be the echo chamber podcast, do you? 
Now, having said that, I would say that personally from my show, I probably wouldn't have booked Anjali as a guest um, because, frankly, I don't think there's enough personal interest for me that the case is compelling enough and so forth that I would have enough to talk about for an hour, to be quite honest. But, you know, from my point of view, being able to take part in a group cab show where I can dip my toe into the water, ask a question or two, uh, why not? You know, sure. John Ramirez is a fascinating guy who I'd be open to chatting to any time. Um, and, and, you know, considering the tie in there with the Anjali thing, uh, I think, it, you know, why not have them on? Why not have a discussion? People can make up their own mind. The reason I bring this up is because the controversy was, you know, people, certain people saying, why are we giving these people a platform and so on? I don't think there's any problem with giving John Ramirez a platform. Um, and in terms of the two of them on together, you know, if people are interested in it, why not have the discussion? It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily backing up any claims being made. It's just having a respectful discussion and there it is. Now, regarding the actual supposed interviews that took place with Anjali, uh, Tim McMillan had actually tweeted, quote, former UAP task force director, John Stratton, confirmed to me that no one from the Pentagon's UAP task force ever interviewed Anjali, either formally or informally, unquote. And, quote, this was further confirmed by all follow-on members of the UAP task force. It's up to individual speculation to whether or not anyone from the DOD spoke with her about the erstwhile adventure to meet with cave aliens, unquote. Now, I think, given An Anjali may have been interviewed, perhaps out of a concern that an ex-government employee was making wild kind of almost unhinged sounding claims on Twitter. Was she interviewed because she had all the answers and the UAP task force wanted those answers to solve this mystery? In my opinion, no, absolutely not. Would you potentially interview somebody to see what was going on uh, out of a, a kind of a responsibility to do so as an ex-government employee? Perhaps. Was it somebody from the task force? Who knows? But at the end of the day, there's a lot of question marks there, isn't there? And, you know, sometimes it's good to open up a bit of a chat about things where there are question marks. So, again, I, I don't fault the cabbies for having on a guest. You know, there's always going to be some people who, who love that guest, other people who don't. And discussion is good. And you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily have skin in the game. You can just listen to a discussion and see what you think of it from there. So that's my take on it. I just thought I'd go through that a little bit because I have been asked about it a little bit. I have seen that there's been a bit of a controversy and I'm sure there will be more of a controversy at the point in time that the interview actually goes out. So there it is. Um, so there we go. Um, I'm going to wrap it up there. I've, I've talked enough for one day, um, but just a few talking points, a bit of a, a bit of a free flow of consciousness today there, talking about all kinds of things. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening as always you know it's great to hear other people's viewpoints as well which some of them might be the same as mine some of them might be completely different to mine it'd be great to hear um, what people's thoughts are and carry on the discussion a little bit and uh, let me know I'm on Twitter as you, most of you probably already know at UFO Thinker and I'm also you can reach me on UFO Thinker at hotmail.com or UFO Thinker at protonmail.com for the secure email if you've got anything particularly interesting that you want to send me um 
and uh, always great to hear from folks. I do have a Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash UFO Thinker, uh, where you can support from a couple of pounds, a couple of bucks, whatever your local currency is per month, and it allows you to get early access and send messages and things on, on Patreon, and uh, I always try and get back to messages on there, uh, so do do feel free to support the podcast, it really helps just to keep everything running, pay the bills, and allow me to uh, spend a bit more time, hopefully, as, as we move forward on the podcast, I would love to be able to devote more time to this as we go along and a big huge thank you to everybody who already supports on patreon massively appreciated and um i'm due to do another patreon only ask me anything episode soon as well so if any of you on patreon have got a question that you want me to answer it can be about anything actually it doesn't have to be about ufos but i imagine probably most of them will be about ufos anyway feel free to drop me a message it'd be great to uh to do that again soon and uh I hope everybody stays well, healthy, and uh, stay curious. Take it easy, and I'll catch you in the next episode. UFO Podcast.